They say you can't put a price on education. That's because everyone values it differently. I'm Shannon Hayes, and you're listening to Season 4, Episode 6 of The Hearth of Sapwish Hollow. It was a cold, wild winter You were sleeping on my shoulder I was praying that the raging storm would stay a little longer With your feet up on the dashboard of my summer dream I'm Shannon Hayes, and I operate Sapwish Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. I'm the chef-owner of Sapwish Cafe, a farm-to-table and neighbor-to-neighbor experience, open Saturdays 9 to 2 from April through November in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton. And I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers, The Grass-Fed Gourmet, and Redefining Rich. Last time I wore a cap and gown and endured a graduation ceremony was in May of 1993 to accept an associate's degree in liberal arts. It was a ruthless calculation on my part. I wanted to spend the summer in Argentina. My grandparents would give me a check as a graduation gift if I invited them to attend. I needed the cash. When I earned my bachelor's degree, I didn't walk. I borrowed my boyfriend's cap and gown and snapped a photo, then went to work in a greenhouse. I planned on going for my PhD someday, so this graduation ceremony didn't mean anything. I preferred to spend the day working with plants. When I earned my master's degree, I didn't walk again. I had been accepted into a PhD program. But when I earned my PhD, I opted yet again to forgo the pomp and circumstance. By that point, I was married and jaded. I felt I had seen academia for what it was, a trap where a woman would suffer in her family for caving to the pressure of her department, or if she chose to honor her family, would be marginalized and eventually discarded by her department. I had proven myself that I could do the work and instead chose to turn my back on the ceremonies and direct my attention toward tackling the next challenge, a fulfilling life where my husband and I charted our own course without jobs. On the day of my Ph.D. graduation, we put in our garden. My disdain for the ivory tower followed me into my life, and there's no denying I enjoyed the academic freedom that came with it. I researched and wrote based on my interests. Had I joined a faculty someplace, I don't think I ever could have generated the creative output that has made my career thrilling. I somehow forgot about the years of schooling that empowered me to make that choice. 
With an experience like that, it was easy to decide to homeschool my children. I felt learning should come from within, and my job was to be their guide. I helped them develop routines. We struck a balance between daily discipline and total freedom to explore. And then Corey landed in our home. <laughs> a biracial kid in white upstate New York who had gone through a serious rough patch. We had known him since he was 16 when he started dating Sersha. At 18, he had no high school diploma and he was riding a bus an hour into Albany each day, washing cars at a dealership in every kind of weather. He would come to stay with us on his days off, asking me to help him with his hands, which were red and peeling from the toxic chemicals the dealership required he use on the upholstery without providing any protective equipment. He was thin. He lacked proper clothing to keep him warm and dry. He was hungry. When the wall of the pandemic came down, Bob and I asked him to move in with us. We offered him our spare room and told him that if he quit his job in Albany, we would employ him on the farm, but he had to get his diploma. We worked out an arrangement where he did lessons with me and throughout school in the morning, then worked at the farm in the afternoon. I figured after a year, he could pass the task test, the New York State equivalent of the GED at that time. The following spring, I enrolled him in an online test prep program. He was bright and did his schoolwork well. I had every expectation that he would breeze right through. Except he didn't. I assumed he simply didn't have test-taking skills, so I sat down beside him one day with my Ivy League degree and college GPA of 3.9 and demonstrated how to take a simple literature test. Fifteen minutes later, I had gathered every textbook that still remained from my time as an English major. I was madly Googling every answer. An hour later, this Cornell PhD had managed to score a paltry 80% on the high school literature test. And that score was only because I looked everything up. I read through the test and constructed a reading list of every piece of literature referenced. I am a voracious reader, but I had read none of them. I got summaries of those books, then took another practice test. This time, none of the books referenced in the first test were in the second one. It was an entirely new body of literature the test taker was supposed to know. I kept going into more and more practice tests, trying to build a simple reading list for Corey to prepare, waiting for a data saturation point, where I would start to see the same titles referenced once again, knowing that I'd completed the list. But the list just kept growing. The works of literature he was supposed to know to pass the exam was, in my estimation, insurmountable. And that's when reality started to set in. I walked out of high school with a diploma because <laughs> I stayed in high school. I stayed in high school because it was the easy route. Mom and Dad made sure there was food on the table, that the house was warm, that there was ample light to study, that there was a peaceful environment in which to do it. I never had to worry about my brother's safety, or my safety, or my parents' safety. When I didn't understand my homework, they would sit down and help me. Whenever I did a piece of writing, they would sit and listen. When I went to school, that kind of home support made me a star pupil. If I told a teacher I didn't understand something, the teacher would question their own communication methods. They would work to re-explain because, of course, it was understood that I was diligent and a hard worker. No one ever accused me of being lazy or failing to pay attention. I easily received any extra attention I needed and never felt shy or stupid. But when a child might be foregoing food for their siblings... 
or doesn't have someone home to help with the schoolwork, finds themselves moving every six months, or doesn't even know who to ask to tap into the body of knowledge that every other high schooler gets spoon-fed, these things don't happen. And they get to the age of 18 and wind up, like Corey, without a high school diploma. And then, I was now learning, getting that diploma was a whole lot more difficult. The task test was way harder than anything I confronted as a college-tracked, A-level, top-tier high school student. I remember the morning of that discovery, standing up for my attempt at Corey's practice literature test. I tried to act calm in front of him, but then I left and sat down in the woods. Bob came to find me. I was sobbing to the point of hyperventilation, fearing for his future. He was smart. He was kind, and the best he could hope for was washing cars and burning his hands on the chemicals. Bob stayed with me until I calmed down. Then we put together a resource list of every customer, every friend, every personal contact we could think of who might be able to help us find a better way to help Corey get a diploma. I called the local schools. I wrote to politicians. I found a list of every BOCES and Votech center in the state of New York and began calling them one by one, <laughs> wiping my eyes between calls, trying to contain my fear, despair, and rage. And I will never forget the moment that Corey came and leaned across the counter beside my desk. Shannon, you don't have to put yourself through this. His words were so simple. I put the phone down and stared at him, eyes wide. Why would you even say that? Well, his voice was gentle, and he broke his reality to me. It's just the way it is for someone like me. He believed those words. That scared the hell out of me. That's not how it is for most people, I explained. This should be available to everyone, and that means you. He began to cry. Why would you do this? I don't deserve it. He believed those words, too. And now my tears were flowing once more. Because, Corey, I believe you are an amazing human being. And I believe the world needs you to have an education because you're going to do amazing things. He slipped away and went to the farm to do chores, and I picked up the phone again. Finally, one of our customers told us about an adult education program that could help him with a series of accredited online classes. He drove to Elmira, New York, where they gave him a qualifying exam. He passed and enrolled in the program through the kindness of the director, because it wasn't even available in our region, and they had to administer it to him without compensation. He earned his degree in less than eight weeks and was accepted into SUNY Skills diesel tech program. The story of his survival there, as one of three minorities in a sea of whiteness in his department, is his tale to tell. But he stuck with it. He didn't let anyone talk him out of it. He became a campus guide and an ambassador for EOP, the Educational Opportunity Program. He became the tutor for his department. He found scholarships and won them. And last Friday, on the eve of his graduation with his associate's degree, Bob and I got an invitation to see him get a special award. It was not for having the highest GPA. It was better. It was a citizenship award. 
given to someone who managed to achieve good grades while finding time to help others and working to make a difference on the campus. We rushed to finish all our prep work at the cafe, then drove down to the campus. I, the woman who refused to attend any ceremony to acknowledge a silly education, sat in that auditorium and wept. I thought of every graduation ceremony I spurned because I found them trivial and a waste of my time. And I hated myself for that. They were trivial and a waste of my time because everything in my life made it easy for me to take each of those walks across the stage to get a diploma. Corey sat down in front and I thought of everything he endured to get to this point. Hunger, near homelessness, shunning, racism, self-loathing, destitution, the loneliness he experienced after he and Sersha broke up and he found that he was neither black enough nor white enough to mix easily on a college campus. And he kept studying and he did it. He put on that cap and gown and they hung cords around his neck to celebrate his good grades and his campus achievements. And on Saturday, he walked across the stage and earned his associate's degree. And this fall, he will begin working on his bachelor's. He's learned a lot. And on that journey, he has become one of the greatest teachers I have ever had. He showed me what determination can overcome. He showed me what it means to be resilient. He showed me what it means to try to navigate this world without an education. And that I took my own schooling for granted. I will never do that again. Sackbush Cafe is now open for the season every Saturday from 9 to 2 until Thanksgiving, except October 21st and 29th when we plan to go on vacation. The prefix farm-to-table special for Saturday, May 20th will be braised pork shoulder with wild ramp mashed potatoes, asparagus, and roasted red pepper salad, and fresh rhubarb cobbler. If you're coming in Saturday, May 27th, we're having turkey pot pie, choice of gluten-free or gluten-loaded, a wedge of New York State extra-sharp cheddar, braised cabbage and apples, and chocolate mousse for dessert. You can check out the weekly prefix farm-to-table specials on the blog at sapbush.com. Our online website, sapbushfarmstore.com, continues to be stocked with our grass-fed and pastured meats and eggs, as well as wool bedding and yarn. Feel free to check it out. Or better yet, if you're in the area, feel free to drop by our honor store any time of the day or night, located in the Little Red Shed at the back of the cafe parking lot. The address is 832 West Fulton Road, West Fulton, New York. If you'd like to come see us for a getaway, our farm-to-table retreat on Panther Creek is taking bookings through Airbnb, and Sersha and Ula have now opened the tenter site to accept reservations. You can find it by searching for Calico Ridge, Sapbush Hollow at tenter.com. If you want to stay on top of cafe and farm specials, farm happenings, or follow my musings on the blog when the podcast goes silent in the fall and winter, be sure to head over to the website at either sapbush.com or theradicalhomemaker.net and sign us up for the newsletter. 
we don't do social media, so this is the only way to keep tabs on us. Plus, when you do, you can download a free workbook that pairs with my latest book, Redefining Rich, winner of a Nautilus and an Axiom Medal. If you enjoy the slower things in life, you can also join our snail mail list and get Ula's hand-drawn postcards with notices about special offers and our CSA program. You can even be entered in a drawing to win a free CSA share by emailing me at shannon at zapwish.com with your address. If you enjoy this, please take a few minutes to leave a review. This helps other folks to find my work. And please share this podcast with friends and family. It really helps to get the ideas to spread. Better still, you can help make the magic happen for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. Or, if it's easier, you can also donate to support the podcast by sending a check to Shannon Hayes, care of Sapwish Hollow Farm, 832 West Fulton Road, West Fulton, New York, 12194. And that's a really important thing to do because all of this, the podcast, the blog, the novels and books, and the creative recharging that happens over fall and winter are a result of the support of my patrons on Patreon. And this week, I'd like to send a shout out to my patrons, Catherine Dunleavy and Kate McKenzie. Thank you, folks. I could not do it without you. In case you were wondering, this podcast was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband, Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from Emory. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Seeds and reaping dreams, and I think that I.